Welcome into episode 37 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at ByCASimmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you are there. Well, it's a bye week, which is strange and it's even more like kind of depressing after a loss, which is it's two years in a row now, isn't it, Christian? Two what, a loss in going into a bye week? Yeah. Who was it last year? Was it Tulsa? Wasn't it Tulsa? I feel like there was a, a bye after Tulsa. There might have been. And then there was another and loss after Tulsa. They went to so. Memphis, yeah. So let's hope that doesn't follow. Um, so I looked up an interesting stat because Gus Malzahn like, made an offhanded reference in his press conference to how, like, oh, well, we do really well coming out of bye weeks. And I'm like, is that a thing? And I looked it up, and at Auburn, his whole Auburn career, he went 9-1 and one coming out of bye weeks. That sounds good to me. Yeah, and the one loss was like 2019. So, and I think it was to Georgia. So apparently, apparently, Gus Malzahn doesn't lose off of bye weeks, which makes sense because I guess when you're a really good coach and you get two weeks to prepare for a team, you're probably just going to beat that team. That does sound, yeah, that does sound about right. Because I mean, he even said in his press conference earlier this week that, you know, they were kind of just going to take some time to get healthy and everything, and that they would, I think they'd have practice. I think they had a Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, I actually had one Sunday too. But anyway, that they would get into Navy prep on Thursday and then have all next week like a normal game week. Yeah, so. I know the staff went out to recruit. For- yeah. Which I know you you texted me and you were like this like seems like a normal thing but like I don't know if the last step did it and I was like you know I well I said because the last because they said like I, Brandon Helwig tweeted and it was like yeah this the staff says they're gonna canvas all of Florida and I'm like the old staff would be like we're gonna canvas all of Utah Arizona Texas yeah Arkansas Man. don't we miss those days oh it was such a time that will never make sense to me but whatever hey it got us our new quarter i was gonna say (laughs) that leads us right into (laughs) our big topic because we kind of talked about it in our post game uh our post game recap after the louisville game obviously dylan gabriel um since then it's been confirmed that he's out for the season and no no it is not oh you're right he could come back he's actually it's it's out indefinitely yes but they said that the normal timetable would technically, if he if he like gets back on the normal timetable, he would be back the day after the USF game. Yeah, my understanding is there is a small but not insignificant chance he could return late in the year. Does it make any sense for him to do so? I don't feel like yes. he rushed, does it? I don't know. I have no idea. I just don't feel like he rushed back from. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's. I, I mean, know. I don't think it's any rush back. I, who knows? It just depends on how the season plays out, too. Yeah. I don't know. So, correction, he's out indefinitely. We don't really know the timetable. Um, but we were kind of wondering, we're like, well, what was UCF going to do? Are they going to go with Mikey Keene? They're going to burn his wet red shirt. Are they going to go to Joey Gatewood, Quadri Jones? We didn't really think Quadri Jones, but um, turns out they didn't really take too long to, to decide. And Gus Malzahn said in his press conference earlier this week that it would be Mikey Keene. He was the backup on the depth chart release before the Boise State game. He's been the backup in the first three games, and now it's his team. And um, it was good to hear Malzahn said, you know, the team's already rallied around him. They already feel really good about him. And um, yeah, I mean, it's we started this conversation because he comes from Arizona, which is, you know, a very, very heavily recruited state by Josh Heupel and his, his staff. And oh, yes. One of our one of our pipelines, you might say. That's one of the things that like half of it, our QB room is from Arizona. If he turns if Mikey Keene turns out the way we believe he's going to turn out and the way we believe he's going to turn out since day one. I don't know if I can make jokes about Josh Heupel's staff recruiting Arizona anymore. No, you probably can. I, I mean, for all the jokes, I mean, when was the last time UCF started a quarterback from Florida? That is, yeah. I mean, it's, not it's Milton, Hawaii not Gabriel. Boy. Holman was from Georgia. Probably DeNovo. Was DeNovo from Florida? I don't know. So whatever. But I, I mean, was it Bortles? I, well, yeah, Bortles was like from Ohio. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it was probably DeNovo. I feel like DeNovo was from Florida. But like, 
we've been like you know anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time knows that we have been like the biggest mikey Keene fan since literally he got to ucf maybe a little bit before he got to UCF. i don't even remember how like, i mean you posted this the screenshot of our text like what from when that was that when he committed uh yes as in december we didn't even have a podcast yet and i don't even so, remember really how it started like why all of a sudden like it just we just took it and run ran with it and so I really, really like, cause you and me, it's, it's especially unusual for us. Cause we don't usually get into recruits like right. that. Like other than Quan Lee, of course, shout out to Quan Lee. Um, <laughs> what did he tweeted, say? Who tweeted today that a college degree does not matter. Glad you're coming to college, bro. Um, but like, it was a couple things for me. It was, I, I got excited about him cause his stats were really eye popping to me. And which like, you know, it, it, and it's just, you know, always good thing from a quarterback. I just want to tell you his stats real quick. His, his two years in high school, Undefeated both years, state titles both years. His combined stats for those just, just doesn't lose games. His combined stats for those two seasons was four thousand nine hundred four passing yards on a seventy two percent completion rate, forty five passing touchdowns to seven interceptions. You would take and, that, and I would take that. And the other <laughs> thing is, like, I know it's high school because everyone says, "Oh, it's high school, you never know it's going to translate." It's true, you never do know how it is going to translate. But like Chandler, the school he came from is like a powerhouse nationally. I think they were like a top five high school team this past year. They play yeah. a powerhouse schedule. Like he's not a normal true freshman because he's actually played way tougher competition than most quarterbacks coming out of high school have. Were they on ESPN recently? Because I feel like that was a thing. I watched them. Yeah, on, on ESPN. That was actually. Um, so that's the one thing is that I got a little upset because if you want well, upset, I don't care. A few UCF fans were like, oh, well, if he's so good, where were his offers? Like, I don't know, where were Mackenzie Milton's offers? But Or Blake Bortles. I think that's, UCF was Blake's only quarterback offer. That's the um, thing. You just can't go by that. Because if, if there's one trait, like, and I think probably for, for Keen, it's his size. And a lot of a lot of schools, are just rec- they want bigger quarterbacks. They don't recruit the undersized guys. UCF has found some gyms. They don't obviously, it doesn't matter how tall you are. So and- here's the thing. He is mobile. He's very mobile. He has great pocket awareness. He is accurate as hell. He has a surprisingly good arm for his size. Um, but he is he's listed at 5'11. He is a generous 5'11. Like <laughs> I, I do not think that dude. I'm 5'11. I don't think that dude's 5'11. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's gonna hurt you. I, I I after he played on ESPN, Iowa State came in and made a late push. At that point, he was already committed to UCF and he stayed true. If he's even two, three inches taller, he's playing in like for a very good power five team. And it's probably a four star, yeah. but I, so it's another example of just sort of, as you have to do as a group of five team, you find someone undersized who's really talented and you luck into them. I mean, I, I think he can be, and I don't want to like overhype him. And I, and I do want to make clear that he is a true freshman quarterback and true freshman quarterbacks go up and down. Yeah. But I think his highs can be very high. I really do think he could be another franchise guy for UCF. And I don't know where that leaves things with Dylan Gabriel and we're going to get that a little bit later, but like, I'm not expecting him to like, I was making jokes on Twitter. He's not going to come out against Navy and UCF fans have gotten very excited for Keen, by the way. I was gonna say, you nervous. said, you said you don't want to overhype him. I know some people that do, and that's just all of UCF's yeah. fan base. Like, I don't think he's going to come out and throw like five touchdowns against Navy or something crazy like that, but <laughs> you're giving me a look like you disagree or does no, I don't know. Disagree? I don't know. I would be surprised, um, honestly, just, but as I've calmed down from our deeply depressed podcast, we did after the Louisville game. Like I, I don't like, I think this could, I don't think they can like win the conference. I don't know if they could beat Cincinnati just without Dylan, but like, I think this could still be a pretty solid season with Mikey Keene. I really do. I think it could be a really fun season. I think it really could. And it's like, we, we talked about it a little bit and I know like most of the tone of our, our post-game podcast was a little depressed, very sad. <laughs> most um, of the tone. Yeah. Most of it. Cause I said part of like, part of it, I think as we talked was more like, you know, this still has a chance to be a fun season. Like we can adjust some expectations now. 
And there's a lot to look forward to for this season. You know, it sucks that things went down the way they did in Louisville. And it sucks that Dylan Gabriel is, is just out for however long, but yep. there is now, now we get to see, you know, what's Mikey Keene going to look like. And that's the, I think the, the funny thing is like, I think you tweeted it recently. You were like, or obviously recently would have been that within the last couple of days, you said something like we always talked about how excited we were for Mike Keene. We just had no idea that this, his era was going to start this soon. Yeah. Just, that was the shock. And yeah. I, I do want to like, uh, I, I, we talked about Louisville at length on our last podcast. So I don't want to get in that game, but like, I, and like, I don't mean to do this every single game, but like I am, this is not directed at most UCF fans, but some UCF fans were ridiculous after that game. And like, that wasn't that bad of a loss. Like it's a game they should have won. And I'm very upset. They didn't. If you listen to the last podcast, you can see that I was almost in a state of like medicated depression over how sad I was about the loss. But like, it wasn't like, like, I don't know. I just, teams are going to lose games. You know, I, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why we have to do the whole fan base collapse every time you see a drops game on the road, power five team lost by touchdown, still scored 30 another, plus points. Another thing I do want to say about that game. I don't want to get too much into it, but I think you and I talked about it a little bit on um, that podcast about how we were unsure, like why they went to the air when they got the ball off the interception by Traymond Morris Brash. We kind of questioned that a little bit. And then I don't, I don't remember who put that thread together, basically explained why it made sense, what the play was, why it was really just a, a good defensive play by Louisville to, to create that turnover. And I do kind of want to walk it back a little bit and say, yeah, like I understand why they went to the area. It, was, it really wasn't a bad play call. It wasn't a bad throw. It just Louisville made, made a play. Well, and it's like I said in the last podcast, because I said the same thing, like maybe they should have run it, but it's always, it, like I said, it's always hindsight being yeah. 2020. It's very easy after the fact to declare that, but I mean, it wasn't a bad throw. It yeah. wasn't a bad play. I mean, there was no way for the defender to get that except when it was tipped up in the air. It was just unfortunate. I mean, yeah. it was just 80 different things cascading to go wrong in order to make that a play for yeah. Louisville. And I, I almost whatever, figured that know? someone that knew football way better than me would like come out and be like, you know, this is what happened. This is why things went wrong. And someone did. So I, I which that's what I always like, like to like. And I, I try to balance that because it's like I am not a football coach. I don't know if you guys right. know this, um, but I do <laughs> not coach football for a living. So I try to balance that with takes we have because like I, I just I'm never going to like it just feels very disingenuous as I don't know what you want to call us. If you want to call us media members, I guess I count because I'm credentialed and blah, blah, blah. But like it, like uh, it feels disingenuous when media members, ourselves included, say things like, oh, well, they really should have done this year. It's like you, you're not the coach. Like I'm never going to be like, oh, yeah, I know more than Gus Malzahn because, yeah. uh, you know, I watch the game on TV. So uh, and I, I try know. I try to make like I try to use different language than like they should have or like more of it's me is like I will say like I don't understand why they did this. And you can question leaving, decisions. Leaving it's it not open like coaches like, are immune to making yeah. mistakes. Like I'll say, I don't understand why they did this. Leaving it open to be like, okay, someone correct me. Someone tell me. Cause like, I don't know that it was necessarily the wrong thing to do, but I'm just like, Oh, we like kind of weird the way things like with the flow of the game. So that's why I do like, I talk that way. I think I try to do that most of the time, but, but yeah. there were literally like, like fans tweeting at players, like tell your coach to run the ball next just time. Stop or whatever. Tweeting just, at players like forever. Yeah. Could you imagine like Kalia Davis is like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Uh, Hey coach uh, next game, we should run the ball on first yeah. down. Like, like I also, I know it was different game situations, but I find it hilarious that we've gone from so sick of running the ball on first down being pissed that we passed the ball on first yeah. down. It's been a great evolution from stats. But anyway, let's look to the future. The enough future. about the Louisville game. Enough about the Louisville game. Those amazing uniforms, the UCF wore. On to the future. We're, going on to I, those. We're actually going to go back to those in a little bit. I'm, I'm sure. I'm certain. Uh, you might be surprised. Oh, yeah, you're not going to be. You're not going to be surprised. Okay. Um, <laughs> ominous. If you see if we just stop, if football just stop wearing cool stuff, other teams have a chance. Also, they're really. All right. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Um. <laughs> so, like, 
the thing this is a weird spot for Mikey Keene though because well it's not like I'm trying to think if I want to phrase this like he's starting on the road which I guess isn't ideal but it is Navy who's horrible this year like I, don't I know think why. that I think that like any quarterback on our roster we, we could be Navy <laughs> like not to be mean but I don't know what's I really there. hope they were like solid that for a long time I really hope that doesn't come back and like get clipped and like something goes wrong in that game and we're we we're could like... run wildcat with Kalia the entire game and win they can't score. I mean, they just can't score. And I know UCF's defense will certainly help them in that, but I really just, I don't think it's going to be a tough game. Um, yeah. But I was thinking back and it's like, it's not like any of our, cause this will be the third true freshman quarterback UCF's had to turn to in the last six years to start a game. And none of them were like particularly easy. Dylan Gabriel's first start was on the road. Um, similar to Mikey, he'd gotten some experience against an FCS. Then it was like, all right, now you're up. Mackenzie Milton's first start was at home, but it was against a power five team. And this was back when, that was a big deal for UCF because they're coming off an 0-12 year. I mean, so I, I and you know, the other thing I want to say, like grateful to Mikey Keene, no matter how good he is, because like I said, he's a true freshman. I do think, and we have said before, we even had Jason Beattie on the podcast back in March when he was still a 247, now the Orlando Sentinel. And he flat out said, Mikey Keene, he thinks Mikey Keene will be the starter after Dylan leaves. I, we yeah. felt that way. I think he is UCF's next franchise guy. But that being said, he's going to have ups and downs as a freshman. But I think the big thing is, could you imagine this situation with last year's QB room? They'd be turned mm. to Quadri right now. And yeah. I don't know disrespect to Quadri, but like, man, it's a different situation. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, because I think Quadri has stepped in at different times. And like, honestly, like, I wouldn't feel like super scared to have him in the game. It's just that it's very clear that now with what I guess would be th- two different staffs, I guess. Or not three, right? He wasn't here with Frost, was he? No, I don't think no. so. so he it's might have been different... recruited by that staff. Okay. I'm not sure. Two different two different staffs now that like don't really see him as like the primary backup. They don't really see him as like a future guy. He's a good guy to have in the quarterback room and a good guy to, to have there, but no one's ever really made it seem like, Oh yeah, he would be next in, in line. And so, yeah, it would have been a way different situation last year. Now it's just, you know, the guy that was presumably going to be the guy after Dylan anyway, is just getting an early start. And yeah, like we'll get on later. We're going to talk about Dylan Gabriel a little bit and where everything goes from here. Cause things have a chance to get yeah. really weird. Um, I mean, the other thing about Keen that's impressive to me is dude's a true freshman. He's been here. When did he get here? Probably like January, January. He enrolled in January. So he's been here for like eight months. Yeah. I don't know if eight months was February or January. I can't count. Um, yeah, you're right. Was it? Yep. So good at math. Um, basic counting guys. Am I right? But to come in as a true freshman and within like, uh, really within like six or seven months, he was, he, I mean, he'd blown past three incumbents to yeah. get up to second string. I mean, and the only guy that he couldn't unseat was the superstar top five quarterback in the country. I mean, yeah. that's a true freshman. So clearly he has talent. The one thing I will say is, I mean, he is a small guy. I think he's even smaller than Milton. And I do think even though he's very mobile and like uh, one thing that's most impressive from not just his tape in the spring game and uh, against Bethune but in high school is just just he has just a really good sense of when it's time to go and that yeah. and that to me was one of the big like things with Milton was it was it's more than just a running ability and passing ability it's having that sense of when it's time to get out of there and he has but like I think at the same time like he's small and he can get hurt and yeah. if he gets hurt then you're in trouble so I do think they have to balance with the play I mean I'm sure he knows to slide I, that was one of my big things always freaking out with Milton is like he would just roll he, he just didn't care. <laughs> he no, would just, just charge on dude yeah. twice his size and he'd, he'd blow his head and go. Did for you it, see but... there was a play that, um, and I know I'm sure at this point, you know, he knows, but I mean, they probably knew even then, but there was a play that uh, was on, I think it was in his junior highlights for Mikey Keene. He takes off running. They're probably like inside the five, maybe inside the 10. 
and there's a linebacker standing at the goal line and he just he runs them over he likes and then like i'm like how do you run over like at your size how are you just gonna stand up to a linebacker and just say oh, i'm just gonna run you over and get in the end zone i got high you, school highlights if you haven't seen that play school. you probably have but if you haven't i'm gonna i'm gonna show it send it to you at some point because i i would love to see it, it like his high school i was i was watching a lot of his high school stuff this week i know it's high school and I know it's highlights, but like it's just very impressive. There's some really good plays. In you there. can tell, you can just tell that because I mean, it is, yeah, you want to like take everything with a grain of salt with high school highlights, but like you can just tell he has that awareness and that pocket presence to like he, like you know, he said when he knows when to go, he knows how to move up in the pocket. And it's just, it seems like he has a really, really smart, like just he's just really, really smart and he knows, knows what he's doing with the ball, where he's going. And it was interesting because I was watching somebody do a breakdown. Um, I think I forget his name. I think his name's Brian Smith. Is that his name? From inside the Knights. Uh, yeah, inside the Knights. Guy. From inside yeah. the Knights. Yeah. And he was just talking about um how well coached he was in high school. And I mean, I like you said, Chandler is I mean a it's powerhouse, a powerhouse so, school. Yeah. yeah. You you know you're gonna get some good coaching. And now he's now he's under a staff that definitely is a good staff, good, good staff to be under, and he's been here for eight months. So definitely I, I think it's obvious. I mean, obviously, since he's been here, he's an early enrollee. He's a guy that has um he's he's more up to speed than your typical true freshman would be. So well, that's, that's the thing because some fans before first off, if I didn't say it already, love that Gus Malzahn just said who it was. Like, yeah, love that. Enough of this crap of like, oh, who knows? We'll have to find out. Maybe it's at Parker Mike Navarro, Norville. blah, blah, blah. But at Mike Norville, who, who on a weekly basis, man, he is FSU is horrible. I feel so bad for Milton that he and Mike Norvell is a just a flat out bad coach. It's bad. But that's a that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, not one that we do. And uh <laughs> thankfully. Like, the other side of the coin there was, will you go up Joey Gatewood, someone who Malzahn worked with at Auburn, but at the end of the day, Gatewood's been here for three weeks. Yeah. I, <laughs> and that's the thing is, I think, I don't remember who said it. I don't remember if it was Gus that mentioned it, but he, Gatewood has played for Malzahn before, but then he spent a year in a different offense at Kentucky. And so it's, it's been a while, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, he's trying to get back up to speed. And I don't know. I, I think if you're just, you're, you're looking at the future now and it's like, why why wait with Mikey Keene? You know, why not get him some valuable experience and and see what he can do? And I think it's also just not overcomplicating things. Like I like everyone was like, what's the decision gonna be? What are they gonna do? And I'm sure Joey Gatewood will still be involved, just like he's been yeah. involved in these first few games. But first two, first three games. But would I don't like know to if he see him, against Boise. We'd like um, to see him throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, I, it's the same thing they ran into with Daryl Mack in 19. It's like if you're literally gonna bring him in just to run the ball, guess what? The defense is gonna know what he's in for. Yeah. Um, but and maybe, and maybe that there's more stuff they can install there. I mean, he has only been here a few weeks. That's true. But I think that Malzahn, at the end of the day, he just – his attitude in the presser was kind of like, well, what do you mean? Like, Mikey Keene's our second string, so now he's yeah. – like, like, it's just not like overcomplicating. It, it wasn't it's even like, a question. Yeah, it's like he's second um, string. Now he's – that's what happens. And, and it's yeah. like he talked about how, you know, when you're – when and that's – I think that's another thing that's contributed to Mikey Keene being ready more than a typical true freshman is, like, when you're second string, you have, you're – all game, you have to be locked in every yeah. game because at any moment – you might be going out. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's helmet comes off. You're on the field. So yeah. it's a little different than someone like further down the depth chart there, or even someone in a different position. So I, like I said, there's just a lot of factors that make him not a normal true freshman. That being said, I do want to temper expectations, even though I love Mike Hakeem with all my heart and that he is still a true freshman. And I'm worried yeah. because UCF fans have gotten so excited that like, I'm worried it's going to become like a boomerang effect where then if he's not as good as Dylan Gabriel, which he's not going to be because he's a true freshman and Dylan right. Gabriel's one of the best QBs nation. It's going to be like, oh my God, Keen is horrible. Putting Gatewood, blah, 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 blah. And even if he does come out and looks great against Davey, which I totally think is possible. We've seen it with Milton. We've seen it with Gabriel. True freshman go up and down. He's going to have good games and bad games. That's just part of having a true freshman, but it'll pay dividends in the long run. Yeah, I mean, we remember Mackenzie Milton's debut. Everyone was so excited to see him, see him debut. And 
they, I mean, they almost won the game, but he had six fumbles. I think he lost three of them. And yeah. he had his freshman moments all throughout 2016. He had, a, I mean, he threw um, 10 touchdowns to seven picks, I think. Like, he did yeah. not have a banner freshman season. Right. And then, I mean, Dylan, Dylan's freshman year, and he had his freshman moments, but Dylan had a really good freshman year on the whole. But then you think about the Cincinnati game, you think about, was it the Tulsa game? Um, you know, some of those games that year where he looked like a freshman. And that's what you, that's I mean, you, you looked at the, the, the duality of Dylan Gabriel to me that you see with all true freshmen was the Stanford game where he, like, I mean, he looked as good, if not better, than Mackenzie Milton. Like, it was like, right. oh my God. And then you go into Cincinnati and it's just, he, he can't do even, anything. Even before that, like, it's, it's kind of an interesting parallel because um, Dylan got that playing time in against FAMU, looked really yep. good through three touchdowns. I think it was in the second half. And then the next no, week, he came like, in. Dylan Gabriel was in by like the end of the first quarter. Was he really? He started, yeah, it was. It, I, I feel like they kind of knew he was going to be the starter. Because oh, Brandon Wimbush started the game, but I think it was like by the fourth or fifth drive, Dylan Gabriel come in, and then they alternated for a little bit. Uh, okay, just... maybe that's what I'm thinking. Well, anyways, yeah, he finished, he looked really good against FAMU, and then we got all excited about that, and then he came out against FAU on the road in his first start, and they did not have a very good game. He had, that was an that was an interesting one because he had some good moments enough yeah. to be like I'm fine that he's the guy, but overall not a great game. Yeah, and, and that's then comes on against Stanford and is great. Yeah, basically any road game he just didn't play very well. <laughs> that's what I'm sure we'll see. Maybe not like necessarily the same home and road splits, but we're gonna see those moments from Mikey Keene, and that's why it's important to remember he's a true freshman, and you guys got to chill a little bit. This fan and like I said, show, I though. think that he, I mean, that was one, when we first were recruiting him, one of my big things from him was like, this guy just feels like a mini Milton. And I still like, I, I think there are going to be rough moments. Like say, let's assume Dylan Gabriel's out for the year, which I feel like is likely. Yeah. There's going to be rough moments. You see, no, UCF's not going to go to your six bowl. I'm hesitant to say they can win the conference. I don't, I will just, we're just going to see what they look like against Navy before we, and honestly, that's less a Mikey Keen thing and more just the defense just isn't that much better than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, parts of it are, we can talk about that at some point, but I, I just, you know, it's like the ceiling for the season is lower than we thought. And that happens when you lose your quarterback, but I still just, I think it's really exciting. And maybe we should talk about actually, here's what we should do. Cause I know we want to talk about, should we, this might seem like a good transition to talk about, wins losses for the rest of the year what we're thinking yeah right before we do that i just kind of looked this up because i was trying to find a stat and i think it was just that um keen was 23 and 0 as a starter in high school and milton won his last 23 starts at ucf and so i was so i was looking for that stat but then i found a tweet from you it was jeremy tasha tweeted that okay yeah uh, yeah and then i found a tweet from you from may 7th of this year uh, you were ago. you were replying to someone whose tweet has been deleted since, but you said Mikey Keen is literally Milton 2.0. That was JP Gilbert. Yeah, I don't know what he I said. I remember that. I remember that conversation. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what he said, but he did he delete Mikey that tweet? Keen. Yeah, it's gone. All right. People like to delete their tweets after um, you fight with them. What? Who did that this past weekend? <laughs> We're not getting into that. that. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's go through this the schedule then. And um, I, I just want to say, though, further evidence, we've been on the Mike Keene hype train like this whole time, like yeah. from the start. But anyway, yeah. So let's look at what are we thinking for each game? When are, just what we know now about UCF and these other teams, what are we thinking for each game? Okay, so I'll run through the schedule then, and then we can both. I guess you want to go first. I'll we'll we'll talk about it. Sure. But, yeah, we'll talk about it. So at Navy, which I think <laughs> you've already made pretty clear that you think is an easy win. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I, I don't. It's hard to know what to expect because, I mean, like like people have said, there's a difference between Keen coming in at the end of a game against Bethune-Cookman and actually going on the road and starting a conference game. 
but I just still think for, for some reason, and I know like uh, Brandon Helwig talked to his high school coach and he just said, he's just got the it factor. And I know that's kind of an overused thing, but it just feels like for some reason, and I don't even know what it was that maybe like it was his stats. Maybe it was just the fact that he doesn't lose what drew me to Mikey Keene to begin with, but something about him, I just feels like he's got it. And I don't really have a lot of worries going into a, na- a game. Against Navy. Thankfully, like this was Cincinnati of his first game. It would be just like a disaster probably. But I, feel like, I would not be feeling great. If her game I feel like was the fact that he's got two weeks to prepare considering the bye week and it's going on the road. Yeah. It's on the road. Might be a tough environment, but it's a team that's not been good this year. Should be a win. So yeah. then after that, they come back home. They've got East Carolina, which for the record, my thing with Navy is just, it's less like UCF and Keenan more just like Navy's really bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. They can work through some things and still win probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And then they come home, they play East Carolina. Thoughts. I'm a little more worried about that one. I'm moderately worried, but I still think talent-wise, UCF should win that game. Yeah. I, I mean, East Carolina, they lost bad to App State. Then they lost a close one to South Carolina at home. Now they just went to Marshall and won, which is kind of a surprise. Yeah. Um, And they have an FCS game and Tulane between us and them. So we'll see how they do. But I just, this defense, like, I know Malik Cunningham's good, but it seems like this defense established that it still can't handle quarterbacks that can move. And that includes Holt Nailers, so we'll see. Um, it's one of those games where if Dylan Gabriel was here, I wouldn't be worried because I'd say, well, whatever, we'll just outscore him. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is it's a home game, and I don't think UCF really loses home games that often. I still don't think the two losses last year really count because there was no crowd. I agree. So <laughs> I'm going to say win, but like win with like a little bit of concern. I think, yeah, I would still say a win. Um, honestly, Which if that happens, that's 4-1 and one going to the Cincy game. Yeah, and I just really, really hope – I don't think – I'm not really too worried about it, but I really, really hope that – when UCF finally does get back to the bounce house, that it's still like packed out, just everyone's going crazy. Welcome them home the right way. That's if they win against say. Navy, I assume that will be. The I mean, best. I assume so. And I think even, yeah, I, I think so. I would, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. So the week after that, they go to Cincinnati. Uh, loss. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't predict a win. I don't. Yeah, no, I can't predict. It'd be win. cool if UCF won. I was gonna say, but, like, I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility for UCF to pull off the upset, but it would be an upset. More so, like, if if Dylan Gabriel was still healthy and UCF went to, to Cincinnati and beat them, I wouldn't feel like it was that much of an upset. Yeah, I mean, but we've seen the whole true freshman UCF quarterback plays at a packed nipper, and we've seen how that plays out. Yeah. So I just, I don't feel. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't think anything's impossible in college right. football, but. And I have, I, I, I can't say win. I haven't that. been I impressed can't. with Cincinnati, but yeah, I can't say they're going to go in and win that game. I also, so, as much as Desmond Ritter is definitely fraudulent as a quarterback, I just don't like this defense. Like, if a, it's the same thing, it's been, it's the same story for five years. Like, if you have a quarterback that can run, our defense is just going to let them. Yeah. So, and that's what's so frustrating about UCF's defense this year is like they have actually, like, every team they've played, they've pretty much shut down their run game. Um, except for the quarterback. And I yeah. just don't know why that's such a – I mean, you'd think a defense with this D-line that can completely remove the running game should be better, yeah. but it's just not. So, yeah. what can you do? So, that would drop them to 4-2 and two, coming back home. Which is play, exactly their record in yeah. 2019. To come back home to play Memphis at home on a Friday night. That one also worries me. Yeah, Memphis is good, man. I, they're better. I mean, we 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 pegged them wrong. We thought they were going to take a big step back this year, but they're three and zero. They already knocked off an SEC team. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say loss. <laughs> I'm going to say like loss, but close to a toss up. I kind of feel the same way, and I know I hate to like keep going through this whole thing and like 
just keep agreeing with you, but I, I don't know. Like I could see them. I could see, you know, the experience at Cincinnati being very valuable and it being a loss, but come back the next week and Mike Keen, you know, at home, a little more comfortable with the offense. Space game. And space game. Space game. Up. Yeah, they don't lose. Uh, they don't lose space games. They also don't play good teams for the space game. So we'll see. I don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I think. Yeah. And it's a home game. If the crowd shows up, I think they'll win. But Memphis has a really freaking good offense this year. So we'll see. Yeah. And the defense still just worries me. So that would drop them Un- to four and three. Four and three. Back to back losses. Fan base is very close to checking out at this point. But then they go on the road to Temple. Easy good, win. Good pick me up game. Easy win. Good pick me up game. Twenty plus three. point win. Yeah, five, five and three. Five and respectable three. record. Respectable record to some. Then they come back home and play Tulane. Win. That was quick. That was a quicker win than I. Yeah, I like you. Tulane a lot, and I feel vindicated by Tulane's success this year. And of course, you might say what success they've lost to both Power Five teams they played. <laughs> but a, I think Ole Miss is going to like win the national championship or some crap. And uh, wouldn't uh, be mad. I wouldn't either. Love Lane Kiffin. And uh, I and they played really close to Oklahoma, even though Nebraska then did the same. I don't know. I, I think Tulane is definitely better, and I think Michael Pratt's really good, and that's going to cause them problems. I also just like – I don't mean to be that guy, but I just don't see Tulane winning at the bounce house, if yeah. that makes sense. So, so that would six be and what, three. Six and three. Very solid record for some. Then they go on the road at SMU. I already had them losing this game, so. Yeah. yeah. Already had them losing it. So that's six I, and four. Yeah. Six and four. Again, it would. It's kind of. It's even more so like the Cincinnati game. I wouldn't be like. It wouldn't blow me away if they won the game, but I, can't I think ex- SMU, I'm not expecting winning at SMU is a way easier thing than winning at Cincinnati. Oh, and yeah. that's not to say Cincinnati's much better. It's just that SMU has no sort of hostile home environment. It's kind of sad because, like, I don't know that program. Like, the program's been pretty good lately. And they just don't have fans. It's yeah. unfortunate. I, th- I think the fans will come, especially in Texas, but they're just not there yet. Yeah. So, a loss that would be six and four, correct? Six and four, yep. That's not, that record. Record sounds familiar. It's in the I season know. there. We exactly what we did last year. <laughs> well, then you go to UConn, or no, you don't go to UConn. You come back home for UConn on November twentieth. I'm on the Wikipedia, and I love that it identifies this as the civil conflict game. <laughs> um, big big rivalry game. Mikey Keene's first civil conflict. His first rivalry game of any kind. No, his first rivalry game. Unless uh, no, God, ending the year with home. two straight rivalry games. That's tough for UCF. I don't know why they would have scheduled it that way. But yeah, obviously a win. UConn Let's is see. horrible. Seven and um, four. Seven and four. Then it's the war on I-4. Yeah, South Florida. They'll beat South Florida. South Florida's bad. Eight and four. Eight and four. If they win, if they win a bowl game, it's nine and four. I, would, I know fans will losing Dylan Gabriel. I would be okay with nine and four. I think, I don't know. You ran a poll last weekend. I don't remember. I, what, I don't know what were the results. You want to pull, uh, let me pull up? it up? But way more like nine and four than I was anticipating. I remember like when you first put put the poll up, the first responses were coming in more reasonable than I expected. And I want to say that you know having lost Dylan Gabriel in the third game of the season or at the end of the third game of the season, being nine and four with most of the season played as a true, for the true freshman quarterback, I don't know how. Like I think most of the fan base would be like, okay, like there's a lot to build off of. So my poll. Um, sorry, I was counting. Uh, so I asked with Gabriel likely done for the year, how many wins would you need to consider this an acceptable season for UCF? And of the 266 people who voted 83% said nine wins or less, which was shocking to me Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, I'm not like, we will see, we're going to have to do this again next week, probably after we've seen Mikey Keene, because it is hard to kind of figure out when he hasn't played yet. Well, the but, week after next. 
or the week after whatever man i hate bye weeks so much even though i tweeted that i was like you should not be allowed to do a bye week after a loss and people were like they need it to pray i'm like i know i was just like joking because i don't like bye weeks God, yeah. i'm not stupid well i am but not about that um but like some of the one like here's how i'd say it of the wins we picked there's only one that i could kind of see going the other way and that's Tulane. of the losses we picked both memphis and smu i could honestly see going the other way yeah so, uh, we'll see that's we'll the just- one thing that would you kind of you would kind of feel a little bit like down about maybe is that it's not like I don't know. You don't expect the true yeah. freshman quarterbacks like get all like win these win these big games. But that like if you finish nine and four, you didn't win any big games other than the Boise State game, which was at the beginning of the season. So you, you also, you also got to remember. Like, I mean, with Dylan Gabriel as a true freshman quarterback, they went nine and three, and I think they have a worse defense, but a much more competent coaching staff this time around. Like I think Gus I think Gus could just flat out coach them to some wins. I really yeah. do think that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me that, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go back to the Cincinnati game and harp on it too much, but I don't know. That just seems like not a game that, like, I just – I'm saying, like, not expecting them to win, but for some reason I wouldn't be surprised if, like, that's a game that Gus, like, makes a difference in. Can I uh, – so I want to preface this by saying that they're, like – and we're going to talk about this in a second. There's been a lot of Dylan Gabriel bashing on Twitter. like Or not, yeah. like, a lot. There's been some. We'll talk the, about that. The, the very loud vocal minority. Yes. And I don't, like, want – this to think that this is a part of it because I kind of think that's BS. Some of the stuff people have been saying. I got blocked by Juan Toribio over uh, him, uh, you know, doing what Juan does and declaring everything that's not connected to Frost at UCF is bad. But uh, hey, <laughs> shout out Juan if you're listening. Um, but he's not listening. <laughs> he's definitely not. Um, like, if say that Mikey, he, say that UCF does upset Cincinnati, going to Cincinnati win. Is it not weird that then Mikey Keene would own a better win than Dylan Gabriel? Yeah, so he would career? have already have a bigger win than than Dylan ever had. Would be very weird. Because what's Dylan's biggest win? It's probably Boise State, right? Yeah, I think so. Which Wild. sucks that they lost to Oklahoma State. That didn't count because I didn't watch. Um, <laughs> that's the way that works. Uh, I also just like, I don't know. I, I think that part of the frustration with the Cincinnati like rivalry, if you want to call it that, is we're two years in a row now where Cincinnati won. And I know Cincinnati fans will disagree with this, but both games UCF should have won and kind of lost due to coaching, in my opinion. 2019 is the one I'll never get over. I know fans disagree on this. I, I just really felt there were a lot of points where Daryl Max should have come in in that game and it didn't happen. And I know, oh, Daryl Max not good, blah, 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 whatever. It wasn't even that. They just needed something different. It just wasn't working with Dylan. Yeah. And they had opportunity after opportunity to, to take the lead. And just and Gabriel was just – he was a true freshman. And that was a lot for a true freshman. But, yeah, you know, so I, I think that the difference is this time around for the first time ever, I think Cincinnati has the chance to be outcoached. And I think that could maybe swing things. We'll see. And that's the it, thing is like, I, I feel even, so much better about the game if Dylan was healthy, but can not even to take anything away from Luke Fickle. Cause he's obviously a great coach, but just, that's, coach. that's to say how impactful Gus Malzahn can be. And yeah. Know, that's, like, that's the thing about Gus Malzahn is he is an excellent in-game coach. And so I know like Auburn just, fans are already like, Oh, see like, yo, this is why like we lost, we got rid of Malzahn, but like, shut up. <laughs> They're like, also doing what every fan base does, where as soon as you lose your coach, whether it's to firing or whatever, it's, uh, you know, it, suddenly they suck. I mean, we've done yeah. it with. I mean, we, we never we, liked we, him anyway. <laughs> we, well, we, I mean, we've even done that. I've been guilty of it. I've intentionally been guilty of it. They're like with Danny White. Like we worship Danny White like a god. Now that he's left them. Like Danny White sucked as an athletic director, yeah. even though he clearly did not. It's just that's just the natural fan reaction. He said some nice things about UCF. He said some very nice things about UCF today. It made me feel bad for kind of trashing him on a previous podcast, <laughs> but I feel like I've trashed him for reasonable things. Like, yeah, I, I no, like, you you didn't really trash him. I wouldn't say. I would just say you pointed out the things like his shortcomings as an AD, which are just kind of factual. which I felt were fair. He was a very just, very good AD. 
yeah he hired better coaches than like any AD in the country was like a superpower and that's oh the gosh. most important job of AD but there were other things that I, I felt the scheduling philosophy stuff really screwed UCF yeah and I felt like there were a lot of construction quote-unquote construction projects that were just kind of donor promises that never happened and last thing on that before we get into talking about Dylan Gabriel but Mohajer said it multiple times about you know now that UCF's getting to the Big 12 or going to the Big 12 he said that he got lucky that he just the bases were loaded when he stepped up to the plate um you know when he got here things were already set up for him to just be the guy to get things the next level and a lot of that was danny white like uh, yeah. so i don't i don't want to like feel like we're taking anything away from from danny as an ad it was just we were kind of going through some of the things that you know mohajer seems to be strong with that maybe danny white wasn't but no i think I, I i i still think it's too early to say mohajer was a better ad even though i kind right. of feel that way and i might have said it on the podcast before but <laughs> like this football campus thing like the difference is like like danny white we've been talking about the lazy river for like five years and mohajer came in and was like oh no we're actually gonna build it like i think i, I think that's just gonna happen like yeah. so i think that's the difference but yeah. either way let's talk about dylan gabriel dylan gabriel um like you mentioned he just and it's not it wasn't just after this louisville game but it, it seemed like it got to maximum volume after this louisville game but the fan base, not the whole fan base, but like, again, the vocal minority seems to just at any chance they get tear them down. And so like, I don't just don't understand the perception of Dylan Gabriel. I saw someone say, I'll say his name. It was Carson Ingle said that he is proven to be a me- I mediocre. Was gonna say, everyone's going to know who you're talking. Yeah. About. <laughs> he said he was a mediocre quarterback, which is just an absurd Hilarious. thing to say. Hilarious. And I think he said something previously and like, then he doubled down. He was like, Oh, I know I'm getting like hate for this tweet, but like, I just, I do believe. And then like he doubled down on it and said he's a mediocre quarterback. And he said, oh, he puts up great stats, but he doesn't win big games. Putting up great stats, like the stats that he's put up. Like, I know like the, we, we've talked about him not winning big games. Like that's, that's a fair thing to, to talk about. It's a fair but, criticism, sure. Like you can't just, you can't look at the stats he puts up and the performances he puts up and say, oh, he's a mediocre quarterback. It was I such a black and white view of the world. It's either like you're winning the big games or you're a bad quarterback. Which, yeah, it's insane. And then you had Juan Toribio, obviously, because I think we all as UCF fans care what the MLB Dodgers writer thinks about UCF's quarterback situation. Um, saying that after that pick, which was a really good pass that was tipped up in the air, tweeted, there's no way around it. Dylan Gabriel just isn't a winner. And then proceeded to say, I know this because of my sources, which like were his sources turning on his TV. I don't freaking know. Um, like, I just don't, that was what got me more than anything was like, I, I get, I think people, I feel like people are just lashing out after that loss. And I do want to say some people tweeted stuff, Carson Ingle, that was a horrible tweet, but at the same time he tweeted it before the injury. Cause I know some people were like, Oh, I can't believe he says an injured guy. Yeah, Most no. of these were pre-injury, but it just felt like people I'd say, I think out, like, almost all of them were before they knew he was hurt. Yeah. I just don't get how that game was on Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> like, like he had five times. And I was, he, I even bought into it a little bit because I said, I said in our last podcast, and I still stand by it that there were some plays where it just felt like that he was afraid to take a shot and was playing it. Safe. Yeah. But, and I think that was a fair criticism and I stand by that. That does not translate to he's a mediocre quarterback. Right. Like that's, that's the part I can't get behind. And I've been a critic. And this summer I was a critic of Dylan Gabriel. I talked about that. He had to get better. And guess what? He got better. He was he playing a amazing lot better. This year. He got the big win. Everyone said he needed against Boise state. So I just don't get where the criticism came from, but I don't know. I just, man. I don't understand it because his family was upset about it. They talked to the Sentinel about that. Oh, did they? I yeah. didn't see that, but I mean, yeah, it just, and it's, it's kind of the same thing that happened. And obviously he turned it around the next season, but I mean, this is the same fan base that booed McKenzie Milton off the field in 2016. And then, you know, he comes back in 2017 and has the year he has, and he's like the most beloved player ever. So that's the, I think there's a portions of this fan base that that's just how they are. And so if, if you're winning him games, great. If you're not, there's something wrong with him. You're not a great player. Like, 
I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, Dylan Gabriel or uh, Mackenzie Milton got booed off the field his freshman year. I mean, I, but like, so let's say, and I feel like this is maybe just recency bias on my part saying this will happen. But like, if I had to guess how things play out from here on, I would guess that Dylan Gabriel is playing football at a different school next year. Yeah. Because I think it's hard once you've committed to a true freshman, if that true freshman even plays marginally well to then switch back to a guy who's going to be gone in a year. Yeah. So that's where, that's where I wanted this conversation was going to go. I want to say one quick or like a couple quick things before sure, that. Go ahead. Go on. Um, the whole like idea, cause you said, I don't know how the Louisville games on him. If you just look at his losses in his career, like I know there was those there. So he lost three games as a freshman, didn't play well against Tulsa, didn't play well against Cincy, but that road game at Pitt, he completed 25 of his 42 passes through for 338 yards and two touchdowns. Yes. He threw two picks. So, I mean, there was, some of it there, but a lot of that game I thought was wasn't one of those picks like a BS throughout the end of the game. Did I make that up? Like when they, when they got the ball back. I don't really remember. Sure. I just know that most of that game was penalties, and right. then we the UCF lost on a trick play. Like I don't know if you're gonna really put that game on him. I think he put UCF in a position to win that game. Then you go to 2020, didn't play so well against Tulsa. The Memphis game, they lost 50 to 49. He threw for 601 yards and five touchdowns. Awful game, not a winner. <laughs> try not to try to tell me that, that game's on him. Show me 700 yards, and I'll be impressed. And then Cincinnati, he throw, he completes 26 of his 49 passes for three touchdowns, one pick that I believe was tipped. Yep. Yeah, and it was it was to Marlon Williams, and it got tipped it up. Same really, and they lose the game by three points, and it's just kind of more of a happenstance kind his of. His bad losses, in my opinion, were the two Tulsa's and BYU. Yeah, and BYU, but... the team played without a defense, which makes it hard to win. BYU game, did he fumble in the BYU game? Because he didn't throw a pick in the BYU game. Uh, I do not remember. He I, just completed I, only 21 of, 40, game from my mind. 21 of his 45 passes for 217 yards and two touchdowns, which is not really a Dylan Gabriel stat line that we got used to. But like I said, like people just try to brand him as like, oh, this guy just, he loses every game. Like every, every UCF loss is on him. No, like there's really like two or three UCF losses. And that's the thing is the BYU game, he didn't play well. But like you said, UCF didn't have a defense. Didn't have a defense. So like, I think, I think they at, were down to one defensive starter from Georgia Tech at that point. Yeah. If you look at his entire career, like it just he gets so much and we talked about it early in this podcast like early in the life of this podcast we had some criticisms of him and they were fair I've been very open and I thought yeah. I had very fair but I, like I said there's a difference between criticisms and saying he should get better at this or do that versus he's a mediocre quarterback yeah he sucks blah 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 he can't blah, win like he doesn't win true. like yeah it just it I think doesn't... this was the destiny of whichever quarterback was going to follow Milton I mean look at the heat Mac took from the Fiesta Bowl game. I just think it's yeah. a tough act to follow. But I want to ask you, so let's say that my scenario is what happens, which I feel like, I'm not saying it's like the most likely, but I feel like it's in the wrong possibility. Say that Dylan Gabriel's played his last game for UCF, whether it's, you know, well, it's, he's not going to the draft. If he transfers to another team. Just what don't go is to FSU. His, don't go to FSU. He won't go to FSU. He'll go to, I don't know, he'll go to a power five, a real power five. Um, what is his legacy at UCF if he's really done here? I feel like how, how would you describe it? Where does he rank among all time for you? I would say, what are your thoughts? And what is his legacy as a UCF quarterback? I feel like it's very much going to be forever a what if, like, what if he stayed healthy in 2021? Because I really did for even like, even for the faults that the defense has had early in the season, I think with Dylan Gabriel, this team had the chance to win the conference. Yeah. And, I agree. and it, it, again, if, if this is the last game that he played for UCF, he didn't win a conference championship here, but I still think he's, I guess he would be a top five quarterback in program history, just based off of all of his accolades, all of the stats and just the eye test. 
Um, that's one thing that's all really upsetting about the injury too, is he was like games away from breaking a lot of big records yeah. for UCF and now might just not. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really weird. And it's, it's almost going to be, it's, it's different because I think Daryl Mack is kind of because of what happened in the 2018 conversation game. I feel like he's, is it fair to call him a cult hero? I don't know. If I, think that's really, fair. I don't know if people really treat him like that, but I think he should. People, be. I, I think feel like time... he will age over time better too, yeah. because he still is one of just a handful of UCF quarterbacks that has won a conference championship game. Yeah. I mean, how many have done that? And that his Were his he? conference he's championship 40? performance, his conference championship performance is an all time performance by a UCF quarterback. Six six touchdowns. And yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. So I think I think I would put him in like a cult hero kind of thing. And he's also a what if, like he's, he's also what if, like, what if he doesn't break his ankle in 2019 and starts the season? Like, do we still see Dylan Gabriel in 2019? Does he redshirt? What happens there? But I think it's almost a bigger what if with Dylan Gabriel, because we saw, we saw him for long enough to be like, okay, this guy is a, an elite quarterback. And yeah. it, it just, uh, I mean, the rest, no, of, I, the rest of his tenure, was very good. the rest of his tenure maybe may very well have been taken away from us. So it's a big what if to me. But he still go. He still will go down as a guy. I mean, like you said, he was games away from breaking records. Like he's still going to be what is he top five in like every category probably, and that's playing uh, yeah two seasons plus three games. I think what hurts him more than anything is he's just he's going to be the only like legendary UCF quarterback except for Cole Pepper, which was kind of a different situation. Yeah, to just leave without winning anything of significance i mean right. he, he's going to go out what's his best moment like or what's his best thing like the mvp of the gasparilla bowl you know <laughs> and that's not all on him i mean most yeah. of it isn't i mean he didn't i mean he, it's not his fault the defense gave up 34 points a game last year i mean and it's yeah i mean it's not his fault 2020 was a pandemic year and just a really really strange year overall it's not like i said fault. he got like, screwed i said this over the yeah. summer because you look at 2019 he never should have been playing um like or i'm not saying he shouldn't have been the starter i'm just saying like in the plan originally it would have you been know, Mac. Well, uh, there's a lot. It would have been Milton. Wimbush. Oh, yeah. It would, and it would have been Mac. Yeah. I mean, there's two guys who should have been up before him who both got hurt. And then there's a reality where it's Wimbush. And we know what happened there. But so he shouldn't have played in 2019. Then 2020, he's got this pandemic just completely messes up the year. No fans in the stands. Tons of injuries, opt-outs, kicked yeah. off teams, et cetera, that ruined the defense. And then you go into this year and it's a new coaching staff. So we're kind of resetting. And it's just so he just like it was like every step of the way he kind of got screwed. Yeah, uh, from doing some of the things that past UCF quarterbacks had done, it's it's weird. I I will say though he's very good, and if he transfers to a Power Five team oh, next year, which yeah, I feel like there's an obvious one. Um, Oklahoma. You're looking at me. No, oh. uh, I, uh, maybe he would want to link up with a a certain guy that he really wanted to be UCF's head coach this past oh. uh, this past Fair. off season. I'm talking about on this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Matt Corral will be on this year. I'm just saying, I think that could happen. But either way, I think that like Milton, it was a little different situation because one, he went into a horrible program and two was coming off a catastrophic injury and just playing again was the goal. Like I think Dylan Gabriel could go any team in the country next year, like any team and be amazing. Yeah. So that might affect his legacy too, he would just be, from a UCF perspective, because we'd finally get to see like, here's what he looks like without all these circumstances, you know, he would be very much a hot commodity in the transfer portal. And oh, yeah. it's just, it's going to be such a weird situation because obviously you know, we want Mikey Keene to do really, really well the rest of the season. Of course. But, you know, if that's the case and he does really well, we're going to lose Dylan Gabriel. I just don't see there's there's no scenario where Mikey Keene plays really well as a true freshman and then Gabriel comes back and they say, okay, here you go. It's your job again. Then what does Mikey do? Mikey leaves. 
so even like, if Mikey Keen, like you're talking about playing really well, even if he's just good, yeah, you have if, to go. I mean, you can't take you can't tell him to leave for the guy who is going to be here for one more year. You know, when you have Mikey Keen, the chance he could be a four year starter, you just can't do that. Yeah, and it's it just, sucks, but I but does. we have to root for that too. I'm not going to sit here and root for Mikey Keen to suck, right? So that Dylan Gabriel can come back next year. I mean, we want this to be a good year. We want to have a good quarterback. I mean, it's just so such it, a weird, it it's a it's a weird spot, weird situation to be in, really. And it's and and then it's going to be two consecutive UCF starting quarterbacks that three. really three who oh Mac well not consecutive but yeah three of the last four well I'm just saying that would be leaving yeah I mean Mac is the same way that would be leaving like not on bad terms at all just leaving because like they really didn't have a choice like Mac Mac wasn't gonna be the starter because of because of Gabriel Milton same thing was you know could maybe could have pushed him but but also was just like this is like one of my best friends I'm not gonna trying to make him give up his job for me to come back in for one more year. So it was just another circumstantial thing. And then the same thing could very well happen with Dylan Gabriel, where he's, you know, gets healthy again and Keen has done a really good job. And he's just like, I mean, you're not going to have a quarterback competition between two because then you lose one of them. One of them. Yeah. And, and unlike the Milton thing, I mean, this is like, this isn't an injury that should affect Dylan Gabriel's like status as a player. Yeah. Like when he's healed up, it's not even requiring surgery. He should be right. every, every bit of the player he is now. Um, but it's just gonna, I mean, this is gonna be the third UCF quarterback in the last two and a half years to lose his starting job because of an injury. Yeah, and I know just, that's nothing on UCF, it's just it sucks, man. I mean, it's just like we, I'm sick we of even this. said we said it on the Louisville postgame podcast, didn't we? That it was just like the quarterback position is just cursed or something. You realize because, the last UCF quarterback to finish his career like just out in style was Blake Bortles. Oh, yeah, because then after that, Pete DeNovo lasted a game. Justin Holman got unseated by Milton. Milton got injured and got unseated by Mac, who then got injured and got unseated by Gabriel, who's now been injured and may get unseated by Mikey. Blake Bortles is the last UCF quarterback to just be a star here and leave on a high note. Man. I want Blake Bortles to like come back and like be, I don't know. I just want I just want him at every UCF game. I don't know. Well, he gets a bunch of money to yeah, I don't even know what role or what capacity, but at some point I just want to see him around. I don't know if you hear that squeaking, but a dog, one of the dogs is you do. Yes. There's a dog just in my living room. I don't know. I say there is a dog. I like how you said a dog. Like we just don't know whose dog. No, I don't know which because there's two, and I don't know which one of them is squeaking its toy. But I'm gonna guess um, Selena. Um, I don't. Mm. Oh, that's only because I forgot the other one's name. Sorry. No. Bane. Um, Bane. That's it. The other thing is like speaking it's of quarterbacks okay. coming back, it's so loud. Yeah. Uh, like, do you think Mackenzie Milton's gonna be back here as a coach or like a grad assistant next year? I hope so. I really I, hope. So. You know, the only other options are the only other like possibilities i could see one would be like oh if he wants to link back up with frost i don't know if frost's gonna have a job and yep. then b i don't i don't know he i don't know him obviously but like i can't imagine he's really enjoying his time in tallahassee right now they're zero and three and yeah i don't know if he's making a lot of great memories getting there. he's getting rotated out for uh jordan travis every other series so like i don't Such think he's a really stupid gonna, strategy i don't think he's really way. gonna want to stay and like be a grad assistant at florida state he's got nothing but like fond memories and respect for UCF and just like the, I know he's always talked about yeah. the training staff that helped him get back to to help being healthy again so yeah I mean I, I as I said him. though just for Gabriel I think Ole Miss could be an option too I mean I think he had a good relationship with Levy I'm pretty that sure, is true so. yeah but well I'd love it if you come back here I mean that right. would be just having him around the program would be freaking awesome and yeah. I think he could be a really good coach yeah I mean I we saw it a little bit while he was rehabbing that he was helping out in the quarterback room and I think that that would definitely be a very, very good thing. But yeah, just basically a, acting as a coach. Yeah, such a weird, such a weird trajectory it's been for UCS quarterback position. But the Mikey Keene era is beginning. 
It sure is Which not is in the bad. way we expected or when we expected, yeah. but it sure is beginning. Yeah, it's uh, and it's an exciting time. But uh, with that, we'll we'll jump into some football news. There's really not a ton this week, surprisingly. I guess other than everything we just covered. But um, in the NFL, NFL wise, Matt Prater hit a 62 yard field goal against the Vikings on Sunday, which uh, was the longest field goal in Arizona Cardinals history. Latavius Murray with the Ravens scored another touchdown on Sunday night against the Chiefs and a win. And then um, current UCF wise, Isaiah Bowser was uh, Gus said this week that he's week to week with a knee injury, which that's another one we didn't really talk too much about um, on on the post game podcast. Jalen Robinson's but, hurt too, isn't he? Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys that are hurt. That was the only one I saw that he said week to week with a knee injury. I know Jalen Jalen was banged up. Corey Thornton got hurt in the Louisville game. Ricky Barber was another one. It Matt was six Lee, starters total went down with injuries. Matt Lee, um, but Matt Lee tried to suit up and just wasn't able to go. And the fact that he even tried to suit up, they said he was wearing a boot all week. Um, yeah. Just wasn't able to go. I would hope that with with the bye week and then with another week, hopefully they get Matt Lee back. Um, even Navy. in a boot, if he was trying to get to go this week, I'm thinking he'll be ready to go next week. By the I way, would, and I know Malzahn already harped on it, but like, like, like that just shows guts. That yeah. dude was in a boot and still tried to play. Yeah, and then and he said he was like broken up over it in the, in the locker room before the game, like really, really wanted to go. And um, yeah, just, just unfortunate. Remember when fans boot him? And like attack them on social media. Of course I do. I do remember that. Um, finally, oh, our, <laughs> our time UCF football episode three will be out now as you're listening to this. Last week's episode, uh, it's like 15 minutes long. And this week's so, going to be like four minutes. It's just going to be like I mean, this one. This one you would think would be very, very interesting just with with the way the Louisville game went with Dylan's injury. Just I don't know. I would think that this one's a little bit longer than 14 minutes. So the thing about our time is I'm not saying it's been bad because it hasn't been bad. It's been interesting, but they're really like, it's not a hard, not like there really has not been no. any kind of like new information. And I'm going to be totally honest with you and like not a dig at ESPN, but like Netflix is just better. Like yeah. Netflix if is night, I, if, better. I wish Netflix was like longer. I wish Netflix was like 20, 25 minutes. And then I think I people would watch it if UCF oh, wanted yeah. to make that into a bigger thing. I mean, maybe start next year because obviously our time still won't be here. Yeah. I mean, because that Netflix is just flat out better. Well, but, I mean, just like that's the thing. Like, I'd be really excited for tomorrow's episode or I guess today's episode. You're listening to the podcast. If like I thought we were going to get like oh reactions to the injury in real time or yeah. like game planning. I just know we're not locker room, like post game <laughs> locker room scenes yeah. after the loss. Like I don't know what we're gonna, yeah I don't know how much that will get. But like, my favorite episodes of Netflix are the ones from like the end of 2017. And all of those were like 18, 20 minutes. Like I think there was the um, the championship one because of it was Frost leaving and Hypo getting oh, yeah. in. And then I think the um, the Peach Bowl one was a little bit of a longer one too. So those were my favorite. Yeah, I wish I wish it would be like every week. If it was just 20, 25 minutes of my my time. I think they would get you, it me, week. and thousands of other people would watch that. So absolutely, absolutely. If you're um, listening, whoever's in charge of Netflix, um, start doing half hour episodes. Devote more <laughs> of your time to this, please. Just yeah. because we want you to. Thanks Just for us. Um, three three notable things from elsewhere around the kingdom. Uh, men's soccer opened up AAC play on Saturday with a four one win against Memphis. They are now three and three, and obviously one and zero in the AAC. Uh, they swept the AAC's awards this week. Luca Dorado was named the AAC Offensive Player of the Week. Anderson Rosa was the AAC Defensive Player of the Week, and Tyler Levine was named the AAC Goalkeeper of the Week. They're back at it again on Friday against Temple at home. Women's soccer, they opened up AAC play on Thursday night with a, a little bit of a downer. They lost 1-0 at Houston, but they came back with a 5-0 win against Stetson on Sunday with braces for Mallory Olsen and Kristen Scott. Uh, UCS now 24-0-0 all-time against Stetson and women's soccer. Goodness. That's, uh, that I saw that and felt like I just needed to say it. 
Um, they're now five and three overall, zero and one in the AAC. Um, believe they dropped out of the rankings this week, um, but I, I don't. They'll be I back. Really, yeah, they'll be back. They uh, returned to the pitch on Thursday at home against Memphis for their second conference game, and finally uh, UCF volleyball. They swept the Sunshine Challenge Cup over the weekend with wins against Miami, which was three to two, and then three three nothing sweeps of uh, Florida Gulf Coast and FAU. They're now seven and five. They also racked up some awards this week with McKenna Melville. Uh, getting another AAC Offensive Player of the Week award, and Claudia Dillon getting an AAC Defensive Player of the Week award. Um, AAC start play starts for them this weekend. They'll play ECU on Friday at the venue, and then Sunday against Cincinnati also at the venue. Um, so I think they've picked up some momentum a little bit going into conference play, and they haven't lost in conference play for, was it two years, three years? Quite some time. Yeah, it's been a while, been a while. So with that, Christian, uniform of the week, I think I know where this oh, yeah. is going. I promise I'm not just going to pick football every week. Awful. I promise I'm not going to. We'll see. Um, but it, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really not going to. I just did it, like, it's not my fault that UCF wore two like all-time helmets in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. That's on them, not me. Um, so yeah, I mean, that helmet was great. That whole, that whole look was so clean. Uh, I want, I've wanted to see the white UCF on the white helmet for like the longest time, basically since we first saw that white logo on a helmet back in 2018. Uh, it was awesome. Look, it was just so clean. I, I, I really, and it showed up really well on TV. Yeah. I like unpopular opinion. Well, maybe it's not unpopular. I don't know if it's popular or unpopular because I don't know how people are even like taking the time to think these opinions, but like, I'm fine with that being the white helmet. Like I, we've seen a lot of Chrome gold. Like I'm fine with moving more and more towards the white logo versus the gold logo. I do like that one. Yeah. Um, I kind of knew this was, I mean, I knew how much you enjoyed the uniform, but I definitely even knew it even more when I think it was on Saturday, everyone was like still mourning the loss on Twitter. And you quote tweeted a tweet of, I think it was Brandon Helwig's photos. And you said, I can't get over this uniform. And I was like, everyone else can't get over the loss. He's just like, just fawning over. Okay. But it was so good. Like it was was a great, I mean, UCF has already worn some kick-ass whiteouts and this like blew the rest out of the water. I mean, yeah. And I do not know what they're wearing for Navy, but hopefully it won't be like this level so I can pick another team. I was about to say like, oh, uh, I can't wait to see what they're wearing this weekend, forgetting it was a bye week. And there's nothing. Yeah. So I don't know if they know what they're wearing, but excited. Oh, man. Uh, last time they went to Navy, they wore one of the best, the flat out best uniforms UCF has ever worn, which was the Peter helmet with the black knight head on one side and the chrome gold UCF and the other black sword strike yeah. down the middle. Peter jersey, black pants, all time combo. All Really, really like that one. Yeah. They're not gonna be able to top that. So football is now a three-time winner and all three of the chances they've had, they've won. So we'll see if, uh, well, next week you'll have to pick a different one. So that's, there's um, that. that's a good point. That's a yeah. very good point. I'll find a way to pick football anyway. Men's soccer is probably uh, going <laughs> to well, take if the Well, if men's lead. soccer had a chance, if they would, because they basically just been wearing their white kit and their black kit. And if they would just wear the, if they were the pewter one this week, they will win. So if you're listening, men's soccer equipment manager, um, something to think about. I know this means a lot to all of you. So it's the most prestigious uniform award in the UCF fan base. I'm going to make trophies and mail them out for every week. No, <laughs> like whoever has the most by the end of the season, they'll get a yeah. trophy. I like I'll that. I'll mail it. I'll mail it out. Do you need to mail it? Well, Couldn't they care when drive? they get it. Couldn't you no. just drive to campus and like drop it off the athletics office? Yeah, but like I don't want to be the dude who just shows up to the athletics office with like a trophy. He's <laughs> like, congratulations. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. You've won this prestigious thing I made up on my podcast. So I'll just mail it to them to avoid the embarrassment. I'll include a note saying what it is and who to yeah. give it to. <laughs> I like it. That's a good idea. I'm going to do, I'm not even joking. Like, no, I'm I like it. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's a yep. great idea. Um, 
yeah well so next week we'll uh, we'll be back with episode 38 christian will name a non-football team uh as a uniform of the week winner theoretically um <laughs> unless he finds a way to name it football with uh, on a bye week but we will see uh until then i want to thank you guys so much for listening you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye everybody